Gosh, y'all. We're going to be all over the place today. Um, find a couple of spots in your Bible. 2 Samuel 12. And in Exodus chapter 15. That's a good start. While you're turning, let me tell you about something that happened to me in my life that I've never forgotten. It marked me. And um, I think I'm, I think this is how we're supposed to start. By the way, um, I'm usually much more together than this if you're visiting. I don't know if I'm a better preacher, but I'm usually more together than this. But literally this week, I was talking to God, and um, I feel like what we're talking about today is so personal that he was like, Paul, would you, would you actually sit in a meeting in the living room with your own family and pull out an outline? If it was really, really important, I was like, probably not. We just talk. And he went, yeah, let's just do that. So we're just going to talk. It's not a bad thing. When, um, boy, I hope I remember this correctly, Laura, but if I don't, <laughs> don't correct it because it's important to the message. Um, I think this happened in my life. I'm pretty sure I remember this. Um, being at the hospital when one of my sisters was giving birth, it wasn't you, it wasn't Laura. Um, and while she was giving birth, I remember hearing, you know, you hear a lot of noises in the hospital <laughs> when people are giving birth. Um, and w this was, I heard another room and I heard a lot of just, I, you ever heard just wailing and you're like, that is intense and I'm not sure it's good. It was kind of like that, and it wasn't my sister. Like, she was screaming all on her own because she was giving birth, but there was somebody else down the hall that was really, really screaming in a, just, it made my heart hurt way. And this was back before HIPAA and all the stuff, and so I asked somebody, like, what's going on? And they said, she's giving birth to a stillborn. And now I say that, one, not to, I'm, I mean, I want to be very sensitive. Like, if you've had a miscarriage or stillborn or you've given birth and then lost that child, like, this, this is, when I say we're praying for God to heal emotions, like, those are emotions, right? But what I, what I never forgot was how, it, how hard it, how, what it felt like to be my, my sister's giving birth and we're as a family rejoicing and yet right down the hall somebody else is giving birth and, and weeping. It's just a, it's a weird, it's a weird place, right? And like we're, when you're in the middle of bad and good, and I felt like God told us this morning, like last week's message through Bridget, Pastor Bridget was phenomenal, right? Like there's a what's coming, there's a what coming. There's a push coming, right? And so this morning, we're talking about pushing through grief. Because mm. that's what that woman was doing, right? Um, so just so you know, I'm pushing through grief. And I'm not the only one in the room doing that. Okay, so this isn't coming from a pastor who is like not in touch at all. This is coming from a heart that is break, breaking. Um, not sure how how um, <laughs> how vulnerable you want your pastor to be, but there was a couple weeks ago, 
Um, we're at home, and Wendy and I were just having. You ever have conversations with your spouse? I hope you do. So we're just we're just talking, right? We're talking. It's like our morning talk. Like, hey, you know, what you got going on today? And blah 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 blah. And so we're talking, and, and eventually it kind of turned to um, people that we know that we know are, are they're hurting, they're disappointed with God, and you know we kind of had this pastoral like we love those people we're praying for those people and all of a sudden like she's at the table drinking coffee and i'm at the computer and she looked over at me and i'm not talking i'm just like weeping and she i think because you know when he knows me she's like oh look at my husband he's such a great pastor how he's, his heart's broken for these people right and he's just he's weeping for them and and she asked me like well, what, what's going on i couldn't even talk and, and finally, I got these words out. I thought I was thinking about those people, but I, but I, think, I think I'm the one that's disappointed with God. Now, hang with me, okay? So just turn, turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to end well. <laughs> first things first. God is 100% okay with your disappointment in him. He doesn't want you to feel that, but he's okay with it. And we are too. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Um, there's a lot going on in this chapter. If you read it at the very beginning, you'll see that Nathan comes and he rebukes David. He tells him a story about some man who, who stole somebody's sheep and and then David gets all mad and says, I'm the king, I'm going to kill that person. And then Nathan says, you're the man. So it's, it sounds like we're talking about sin, and we are talking about sin. But what I want you to see is, towards the middle of this chapter, this is what Nathan, this is what Nathan says to David. He says, you're the man, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you. And your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all. Everybody say all. All Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword, took his wife to be your own. If you're not familiar with the story, not only did he have um, an affair with Uriah's wife, and then she got pregnant as a result of that. He also brought his, her, her husband back from war and tried to get him to go, like, be with his wife so that she would think the kid was his. Some of y'all that never read the Bible, you're like, the Bible is so boring. That wasn't boring, was it? That was like, that was like, a, that was like a, 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 a show on TV, right? And then he found, like, every, for two nights in a row, he would walk out of his castle and find Uriah sleeping on the steps. I said, well, dude, why are you here? You're supposed to be with your wife. And, and Uriah would say, well, if my men are still fighting, why would I go be with her? And then David would be like, oh, my. Did she feel David's, like, he's just, oh, you can't, like, you're a better man than me. And so the next night he got him drunk, thinking he could get him to go have relations with his wife, and yet he still slept on the steps. Maybe he was really drunk. I don't know, but he didn't go hang out with his wife. And so, because David knew that a, a child was coming and, and his whole sin was going to be found out, he thought the best thing he could do was 
literally write orders for this man to be put at the front of the line where he would be killed. And then he gave Uriah his own death sentence and said, take this to your commander. Uriah didn't know that. He's just carrying this note and gives it to his commander. And on the note that he carried was, make sure this man dies. So David was an adulterer, and he was a murderer. He was a liar. He's not a good man, y'all. This was not his best moment. Will you agree on that? And this is what, this is what Nathan's confronting him about. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. Somebody say amen. The problem is that's where we stop. He's taken away your sin. And we go, thank you, Jesus. I'm forgiven. But he continues, and you're not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. We could have lots of discussion right now about fairness, but it's not really something God's interested in right now. I think what he'd rather see, have us see is that there's consequences to the things that we do, right? David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not even eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell them, tell him that the child was dead, for they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when, he, when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He might do something desperate, like kill us. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he's dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Get up and praise the Lord. So let's talk this morning about getting up off the ground. And again, I want you to, I'm saying, I'm teaching you and me, right? We're going to let the word of God teach us. Is that okay? Because I believe that what God's telling me is that it's time to push through grief. Push through grief. We've got to push through what was so we can give birth to what's to be. We're in that place where that lady is screaming because she's losing, and yet another woman, my sister, is screaming because she's gaining. We're that people. I'm that person. We're in that place right now. So let me just give you a, let's just start here. Hey, do we have those pictures in the back? Can we throw, I put this on Facebook this past week. Let's just talk through, talk about grief for a second. Um, I, I've. I've never seen this until this past week. It's not mine, but this is um, God, so good. The person that posted it said, so this is, this is what grief is like. 
there's a there's a box with a ball in it so that ball is grief or that ball's big and then that button is pain so when you first experience loss you first experience grief that ball is huge anybody in the room say amen to that and you're always pushing the pain button you feel like you can't do anything without it hitting the pain button this is why people that are in your life are like are you okay no i'm not okay i'm not okay and then she said so as that ball begins to move around you can go to the second picture no matter where it goes one there's not a lot of room to move and two it's almost always laying on that button the last picture over time thankfully through the grace of God that ball gets smaller but the problem is there's still a pain button right and so even though that ball's smaller and it's bouncing all around every now and then it bounces right into that pain button now I, I am and it's not just about me I'm just making sure that I want you to know that my heart is with you I want our hearts to connect here like I'm grieving right now the loss of my father right just it's only been a couple months so with, with my dad the ball's pretty big right but I also lost a mom and a brother like almost 20 years ago within two weeks or three weeks of each other and so but in my life the ball for that is a little bit smaller but I'm telling you every now and then right you hear a song you see something you smell something and that ball hits that button and you're like holy cow it's like we're right back there again I say all of this because when I say that we're gonna push through grief what church people hear is get over it and that's not what God's heart is God's heart is we're gonna get through grief we're gonna push through grief but we're gonna give grace to people because everybody's at different places right everybody's got different sizes to the balls that are bouncing around in the box and I don't want to, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but there are some people in the room right now, and our, our box is completely filled. And, man, to look at something like that and say, just push through it. <laughs> it's cold, y'all. So that's not what this is about, right? This is just a message from the Lord saying, hey, it's, if we're going to push through to revival, if we're going to give birth to revival, we've got to find a way to push through grief. There's just a couple things to write down. When it comes to grief, um, God never says, get over it. He says, get up from it. That's what he said. David got up from the ground. He got up off the ground. Um, there's a proverb that says, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. If you think about it, what matters the most is not how many times we fall, but that we always get up at least one more time, right? We want that number to be at least one time higher. We're reading a, a, a story in the Bible, man, I hope this makes sense, where David's grief was kind of self-inflicted. Do we agree? I mean, he made a bunch of bad choices, and he ended up in a place where he was legitimately grieving for this child that he, he knew was going to die, but he kept praying. Like, why are you doing that, David? And he said, because I, I just, I thought maybe God might show mercy, Right. Let's keep reading. His attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that a child is dead, you get up and eat? And he answered, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord 
may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I'll go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. He went to her and made love to her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. He named him so he he prayed, he trusted, he believed, he threw himself on the goodness and the mercy of God. Yes? And then when it was over, he got up from the ground. He took a bath, he took a shower, he put on some deodorant, right? He went on a date with his wife, and they gave birth to Solomon, who we've heard of, yes? Solomon was a wise man, um, probably the wisest man to ever live. Now, here's the verse that stood out to me that I'd never noticed before. I never knew that Solomon had two names. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon, which means peace, shalom. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan, the prophet, to name him Jedidiah. I never noticed that Solomon had two names. And guess what Jedidiah means? Beloved of God. So, with all that David did wrong, God gives him a son, and he names him Beloved. And if you've, um, if you've read any about Solomon, then you'll also know that Solomon was a very wise man, but he didn't make good choices all the time either. Solomon did some pretty, um, what's the right word, bad things. He just did things that you're like, wait, I thought you were smart, right? Like, he, he didn't always make the right decisions. He wrote a book called Ecclesiastes, and in that book, he asked over and over again, basically, what's the point? He really struggled. But what I want you to see is this, that God, in his goodness and his mercy, named him beloved so that David would be reminded every day that God's love was real. And that Solomon would be reminded every day of his life that he was beloved by God, even though God knew that going forward, he was going to make some really bad choices. And bad choices always lead to pain. In our circumstance, what we're talking about today, bad choices always lead to grief. So you could be here today grieving because you've lost somebody. You could be grieving because you lost a job. You could be grieving because you've lost a relationship. Some of you are grieving because you've made some really bad decisions and they've led you to a place where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. But it's all grief, y'all. And I believe this. I believe the church in America, especially the body of Christ in America, is going through a season of grief. I believe that's, that's been the number one theme all the way through this, the pandemic. Is this it's like, what's wrong with the church? Nothing. What's wrong with the church is that the church is grieving. And no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to say, what, what's the answer to grief? Well, God doesn't say, get over it, right? He leads us to something better. So I got a couple takeaways for you just to jot down. Number one, devastation is not our destination. You weren't meant to live in a place of devastation. 
You were meant to, you're going to visit it from time to time, right? Anybody raise, raise your hand if, you can, if you've been to a place called Devastation. <laughs> yeah, like we visit it, right? And depending on what stage of life you're in, um, it looks different. When I was in eighth grade, Devastation looked like I made a D and I knew that my dad was going to kill me. So, and I'm not advocating anybody in the room do this, but I, I was able to change the D to a B because it's just one line. <laughs> it, it worked. Can, can we bring back the word swell? It was a swell move. It was so swell. Um, until, my, until my dad was like, that doesn't look like a B. That looks like a D that somebody turned into a B. <laughs> and then I was in a bad place, really, really bad place. So, like, that's, that was devastation <laughs> for sure. As I've gotten older, devastation's still real, but sometimes it's just there's more at stake. All of us are going to visit devastation from time to time, either through things we've done to ourselves or through things that have been done to us. I think sometimes what happens is we stay on the ground. We just, oh, man, this is so hard. I'm just going to stay right here. I'm never going to get up. And what I learned from David is for a solid week, he sought God, hoping God would change his mind. But at the end of the day, when, that, when it didn't happen the way he wanted it to happen, he got up off the ground because he knew, hey, devastation, this isn't a place where I'm supposed to stay. It's a place where I might visit. We hear people say things like, if it's not good, it's not over. It makes such a great bumper sticker, doesn't it? But it's true, y'all. It's true. When God's finished working, it will be good. And if it's not good, it's not over. Even if it doesn't line up with my perspective. One more takeaway. Here, let's do some crowd participation first. Raise your hand if you're sitting next to somebody who's super smart. <laughs> There's a lot of conversation happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, why didn't you raise your hand? <laughs> Um, we're just chatting, right? I, I hesitate to throw around the word idol. You know, like idol, like I-D-O-L, like things you make out, an idol out of. But I would, and I, look, I don't say this a lot. I have a master's of divinity. Like, I, I've been to school. I've gotten the degrees, the whole deal. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, What? <laughs> I am blown away by that. Trust me, every day I'm a walking miracle. Um, <laughs> so I am in no way, shape, or form discounting learning. But I will say understanding has become an idol in the church. Why does that make any sense? Right. Why would God do that? That, that doesn't seem to even go right. Almost like his ways are higher. Well, when I understand it, I'll jump on board. 
You'll be waiting a long time. And we won't wait with you. Not if we're going to go after God. What I thought was so cool about this story is I know that Solomon means peace. And we're, we're getting to the part where we're going to point to Jesus. Um, Solomon means shalom. And, and then he gets another name that means beloved, right? And these are both pointing to Jesus. Jesus was the prince of, right? And God is love. I'm just a perfect picture. Like this is what God did through Jesus. But what I took away from this was how cool is it that God, it was almost like God was saying, hey, I know that Solomon's going to be wise, but it's not all about understanding. Sometimes you just have to just know that you're loved. And it reminded me of a verse in Ephesians chapter 3. I'll give you a chance to get there. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Are y'all looking? I feel like I'm just so scattered. I'm so sorry. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. This is what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Everybody say power. power. That's a good thing. We should stand up and flex right now, shouldn't we? <laughs> yeah. So that... I don't, what is that about? I don't know. It's weird. I don't understand myself. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power all by yourself as you sit at home in a room and don't let anybody in. Is that what it says? No. May have power together with who? All the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul's saying, I want you to know that you're the beloved, that you're loved by Jesus, you're loved by God, and to know this love that does what? Surpasses knowledge. Like when I meet Christians that say, I just don't understand the love of God, I'm like, sweet, Paul's prayer got answered. That's what he prayed for. He prayed that you would be so blown away by how loved you are that you wouldn't, it wouldn't even make sense to you. But he, he also wants you to get up off the ground from that place. Stop arguing with God about how he shouldn't love you. Well, God, don't you know all the stuff I've done? <laughs> Can you see God in heaven going, what? What? I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> but now that you mention it, go to hell. That's not God. It's like, dude, if, well, God probably wouldn't say, dude. I'm just not saying he would be, he'd be like, if I was God, I'd be like, dude. That's what the cross was about. That's why I sent my son. Like I, because I did know all that. Oh, by the way, I don't want to bum you out, dude, but I'm like, I also know stuff you're going to do going forward. And guess what? You're still the beloved. I still call you Jedediah, which is a, is anybody here named Jedediah? Middle name? So we can make fun of it. Okay, good. <laughs> no, no. Just, just go by Jed. You're good. Just Jed. Right? <laughs> I mean, Jed had died like a bearded guy, right? So, like, to know how much he loves you and that it surpasses knowledge so that in that place where you know that you're loved, but you don't really know it, you can't understand it, but you know it's true, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
That's the place where we can go see God do more than we can ever ask or imagine. Where we've accepted, like, holy cow, I don't understand this love, but I know it's true. If I'm being completely honest, I might as well be because I have been to this point. I, I mean, you may never come back. I've told this to so many people. I've never been more full of doubt and faith at the same time in my life. I can't explain it. I cannot explain it. Well, I, if you ask me, why did God not do that? I, I don't know. I, have, I can't answer it. I don't know. I don't know why my dad didn't get healed. I have no answer for that. But man, I'm full of faith and I'll pray for you to get healed right now. Because he's good. And he's able. And I don't understand that. And I'm just telling you, boy, y'all just shake your heads at me if you're in this place with me. Because I don't want to fuck in there alone. But when you're in that place, isn't it easier to just stay on the ground? You know what it's hard to do? Get up on a platform and teach. <laughs> right? This is hard. In the moment that Wendy and I had where it got awkward for her fast because, like, I was just a mess. We sing Jaira, you know, you are enough, right? And I told Wendy, I said, all that I can hear God saying to me is, am I enough for you? <sighs> like, make sure you get the truth, okay? If I say to God, you're not enough for me, guess what he still is? Enough. The, the, I don't wrestle with, is God enough? Well, of course he's God, but is he enough for me? And if we're going to push through grief, we have to answer that question. Is he enough for me? I feel like we need to bring this to a close. And then I want us to pray. Um, can I get the band back up? That might help me close it out faster. Play that stop talking music, whatever that is. <laughs> oh, man. Hold on, I'm just checking to see what I need to say. Um, a couple of scriptures for you to jot down. Song of Solomon 2.4. You know who wrote Song of Solomon? It was in the it was in the question. Solomon. Solomon who was named Jedediah. Solomon who was named Beloved. Solomon in sec in Song of Solomon 2.4 wrote these words. His banner over us is love. Now, that's going to make me cry. He starts playing guitar, right? I'm just like, <laughs> Okay. His banner over us is love. 
a banner stretches from one end of one part of your life all the way to the end. The banner of love stretched over David as an adulterer, as a murderer, as a blamer, as a repenter, as a father to a son who was wise over that son who wasn't wise and had a lot of wives and concubines. What in the world? All the way to Solomon's death. His banner stretches over all of your life, not just a part of it. And listen, you, you need to get this. We, we have so segmented our lives. We have segmented the love of God. Well, I know he loves me today because I read my Bible. He loves you on the months that you didn't. He wants relationship with us. And, and the way that we push through grief, I'm learning, right? I'm just learning. The way that I push through grief is not having an answer, y'all. I don't have an answer. But I've got a father who loves me. I've got a God who is enough. And he's always saying, Paul, if you'll let me, I'll be enough for you. I'll be enough. My presence will overcome your questions. So bear with me. I'm a, I'm a science teacher. So all that keeps popping in my head is a quote from Einstein. And we all know Einstein. We all remember Einstein from history. I mean, he created a ton of things. We know him as a genius. But one of his quotes says, I failed 99 times, but I kept going. And on the hundredth time, I found success. I don't know why God keeps telling me that, but I guess maybe it's to remind us that we fail, we make mistakes, maybe we're adulterers, maybe we lie, maybe we kill, maybe we steal, maybe we sin in all these ways, even the small stuff, like changing our D's to B's, right, that we don't think are really big, but we're going to fail, we are. But it's teaching us something to make that success, to make that hundredth success that gives us the theory of revolution, or, you know, uh, uh, the theories and the laws and the big things like electricity and all that stuff. So God's teaching us, I guess, that all of our failures do matter because they show us what doesn't work. If we didn't fail, we wouldn't know what works. We wouldn't know how to get up. You don't. You know, you don't, you don't see the, the glory and the success if you don't know what it's like to fail. And you don't appreciate God and the love, him dying on the cross and sending his only son, which I couldn't imagine. We wouldn't, we wouldn't appreciate that if we didn't fail, if we didn't sin. All right, let's see if we can move this to a place where we can respond. Thank you. That was good. I might have your answer. 
why your dad wasn't healed. Um, as you said that, um, probably about three weeks ago, there's a pastor in Tennessee named Kent Christmas, and his son, Josh, had an aneurysm in his head, and so for a month afterwards, he was on life support, and the family stood on the Word of God completely, complete belief that Josh would be healed and brought back. And about a month later, three weeks ago, he passed away. And the family just really did not understand why Josh was not healed, because they did what God's Word said to do. Well, a pastor friend in, Cal in uh, Florida got in touch with them, and the day of Josh's uh, memorial service, funeral, they played this video from this pastor. And the Lord let this pastor know that the reason Josh was not healed was it was his will to stay in heaven. He told the Lord, this pastor said the Lord showed him that twice he asked Josh, do you want to go back? And Josh said, Lord, you know I don't want to leave your presence. So that was revelation to the whole family that it was Josh's will to stay in heaven. God, which one of us would not want to stay in heaven, you know? And that was the reason. Now, we got a couple people we want to share, and here's why this is important. Um, this is not a message about my grief. This is a message about grief. And in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to get up off the ground and bring your grief to the Lord. I'll be coming with you, and I'm going to ask the body to pray for the body. Right? And I'm getting to you too. Sorry. So let me just say this real quick. Deuteronomy 2.3. I, I, you know, ask me, ask me later about this key. I'll tell you why I wear a key and why Wendy wears a key. But it means the, the key word for us is turn. Deuteronomy 2.3, God looks at the people of Israel and he, he says this. You've circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north. And when it comes to grief, for whatever reason... Death, it's all about loss. When it comes to grief, there's nothing easier than just to keep going around that mountain. But it's time to turn north, and it doesn't discount what we feel. And remember the ball, right? Because everybody is going to process this differently, and I'm telling you, there's space here for people to process differently. Okay? Okay? <laughs> All right. Last Sunday, y'all remember what an awesome word we had. And it was all about praise. In all things, praise the Lord. It was like a fire shut up in my bones back there to yell out, praise the Lord, everybody. I mean, that fire, I couldn't, my flesh was going shh, shh. My spirit was going, yell it, yell it again, yell it again. Praise the Lord, everybody. And I was obedient to do that. And I have since learned it was that very time I was praising the Lord and the spirit in me was connected with the spirit in my brother who was joining his church. Y'all, three days later, three days later, what my flesh wants to say is tragic.
imagine it? David, David's flesh entered the presence of the Lord in triumph. He was in an accident that we call tragic, but he calls it his triumph. And we can take comfort in the knowledge that the joy takes what the enemy means as a tragedy, and he makes it triumphant. We take such comfort in the knowledge that my brother is in his presence. And I thought to myself as we were praising the Lord, he just kind of showed me. He said, you know, when David entered my presence and we were face to face, the first words he heard were my praise to him. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, God is so good, y'all. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So, as I was sitting over there, and like I, I talked to Paul earlier this week, and I told him, you know, yesterday I went to funeral for a close friend of mine that I've been doing ministry with for years and we, we buried them um, 29 years old and I didn't even know the sermon was going to be about grief today but as I was I was sitting there and you were closing up the Lord put this word in me and he said sometimes not sometimes God uses our grief to cultivate growth in others because sometimes people need to see your faithfulness in a time that they would see that there is no reason to have faith. That when there's no reason to have faith, when you are your wits in, when you said, if I was you, I wouldn't believe. I would quit on God. But God knows you. He knows the son and he knows the daughter that he has called his own. And he will use your grief and he'll be with you as you walk through it so that when you come out of it that people will be encouraged they will be united and they will know that they can make it through because you did too see the thing about being planted in darkness is that a seed is planted in darkness but when the seed comes out of that darkness and there's so much fruitfulness and when you come out of that darkness all your fruit will point to God and those people who will taste and see your fruit and know the God who provided it, even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of your loss, because we know that our loss is his gain for the kingdom. So even in our grief, be encouraged when our hearts is broken. He is not a God that he has not heard our cries, that he has not experienced all the things that we've been through. But know that God is using your grief for others' growth to be encouraged, to be empowered. Amen. It's all good. They're preaching a much better sermon than I did, aren't they? It was so good. So my heart's going to explode. You're talking about grief. And there's so many of you out there who have buried people. And you're talking, and you're, you're, you hear about the people you've buried. So I'm talking to those of you this morning who are grieving things that you have not put in the ground. I 
evil things that I cannot put in the ground. There's not an end to it. I, it still walks with me every day. And this morning you told me I don't have to walk in that anymore. I don't have to. I don't have to walk in that. I can say that I'm healed and I can pray the prayers, but let's be very clear. I have been wallering, wallering in that grief. And it, I'm done. I am done. It is time to turn north. So for those of you who are grieving things that you can't put in the ground, it is hard. And you do not have to do it alone. Hey everyone. I'm thankful to be here tonight. I was actually up in the morning and I've been up, well, probably since about 3.30. And I was laying in bed and I was thinking about all the people that I had lost and I don't know why. I had, yes, I, I've lost a lot of people in my life and I've lost a lot of people through broken relationships. And I feel like, you know, you're talking about that box. And man, I have a box full of marbles. There, there's been times where I didn't think I was going to make it through the next day. There have been times where I fall down and I'm crying. And I can barely breathe. Things, things I've lost, things I've been through, and things I have done to myself. But I realize I have been blessed. I've been given more than I have been lost. And I'm always blessed. And I, sometimes I need to remember that. So let's, let's just respond. Let's be family. I'm going to ask you just to respond by bringing your grief to the Lord, right? Because um, on the other side of this is a child named Beloved. And that child is you and me. But only if we're willing to bring it to the Lord, right? Now, you can bring a big ball to grief. Like, those would be the people that crawl to God, right? I can't even get up off the floor, but I'm coming. Or you could bring a little ball, like whatever it is. I don't know where you are. But I think this is where we need to respond to the Lord and say, look, I'm bringing my grief to you. And then we need to have people that are willing to come just put a hand on a shoulder and say, I'll, be with, I'll stand with you while you bring your grief to the Lord. Okay? Is that good enough? Hey, all y'all that shared, thank you. Like, you literally preached it better than I did. Um, but I know the Holy Spirit is active in this room right now. And I'm just asking you to respond, okay? So while the band leads us, will you just respond, move, come to the front, let people get next to you and love on you. There's another kind of grief in here that I want to talk about, and that's the grief of sin. Romans chapter 5, it talks about the, the, the contrast between the first Adam and the second Adam. Jesus, Adam who took sin and caused sin to happen, and Jesus who took all of our sin.
And what jumped out at me in, in chapter 5 was that because of one man's sin, condemnation came to all of us, say all of us. But because of the sins of many, righteousness has come. And I didn't understand that until the other day I was looking at it. And it means, no, Jesus took it all. So for some, there may be one or two or three of you that you need to say, hold it. I need to get it right with God first, too. He bore on the cross my sin. This morning when I was in my quiet time early this morning and I asked the Lord, examine my heart, and he says, I asked him, what do you see? He says, well, I see someone who's self-centered. Well, wake up. <laughs> see somebody who's presumptuous, who's bold, who's proud. But then I also, he said, I also see somebody that I love and I've chosen. So I just encourage you, if you've not made a quality decision to accept the completed works of Jesus Christ as your own, not had somebody pray over you, no, I want you to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead so that you can be saved and you can have that love that 30 years ago I experienced in a church in Atlanta after 42 years of walking in darkness. So I just encourage you that the Spirit of the Lord is here and He's tugging on every heart to come and confess your sin before Him. Give Him your grief. And we'll pray with you, but also give Him your heart. Because He already knows it, but He wants to love you. In Jesus' name. Now, I'm just a guy that's always going to tell you the good stuff too. So Exodus 15, we don't have time to go into it. You can read it on your own time. But... The children of God are actually rejoicing because they got set free and like the enemy drowned or whatever. But then later they're at a place that has bitter waters and he threw a piece of wood into the water and the water became sweet. That's what Cecil's talking about. You bring your grief and your bitterness to the Lord and the cross, that's what gets thrown into that. And he makes it sweet, y'all. He makes it sweet. So just lead us, Zach. Um, Respond, come pray, stand. Let's just respond with some worship. Let's all stand together. And let's just fill this place with some praise. Um, we know that from last week that that's where the victory comes from, right? And let's just go our, let's bring our grief to the Lord.
going to pray over you and send you out with hopefully an encouraging word. Um, I mean, all this is encouraging, but you know, I just want to hear, I want you to hear the whole counsel of God. This is Wendy. Oh, she's just the best. She's my wife. I mean, people that are visiting, they're like, that was awkward, but <laughs> not at all. Um, God gave her this verse earlier, and I just want us, I want us to wrap it up with this truth. thing to lay on us before we pray and go eat but it'll give us stuff to talk about while we're eating I've, I've said to the Lord a lot not just our church but churches in general where's celebration in the church right like I mean I know that we can fake it but like true celebration where is it and he told me this week while I was preparing you'll never know the true joy of celebration if you're still pretending like there's not the sting of devastation what well, Wendy just read you will pass through into places of joy. We're passing through something right now, and it's a good thing to pass through it. It's, what was the southern, you said waller? Yeah, we don't want to waller no more, y'all. No more waller. But when you just circle in a mountain, there's no celebration in that. You have to actually grieve the reason you're circling so that you can turn north and celebrate. It's coming, y'all. It's coming. And when we recognize that he's with us in the pain, holy cow, y'all, the celebration that will come out of that is going to be tremendous. So tell somebody next to you it's coming. It's coming, right? Some of y'all going to be dancing around. Some of y'all going to be dancing around like crazy, right? Like what we learned last week. I mean, keep your clothes on, right? When you're dancing around in praise. Um, but it's coming. Man, God's doing some good stuff. Yeah. And his brother's name was David, right? So he's the one that was dancing around. His, I don't know about your brother, but King David was dancing around, praising. Man, thanks for responding, y'all. Because this is what it takes. We're not going to be afraid of the emotion that God gave us, right? We're going to recognize it. We're going to grieve it, 
And then we're going to get up off the ground. And God's going to mark us as his beloved. And when you share that with people, no, I'm his beloved. They'll be like, oh, what, what did you do last week? I didn't have to do anything. I had a pretty, pretty bad week. But I thought you said God loved you. Oh, he does. All the time. Never stops. Right? Never stops. So, Father, we thank you, God, for that truth. That, yes, it is, it is hard to grieve, God. And it feels like we are pushing through it because we are. But on the other side of this, God, you're calling us to get up off the ground. Get up off the ground and bear the fruit of the beloved, God. And I thank you that that's what I pray right now, God, over this body, over these at the front. Lord, that there would be the fruit of your love in their life and that they would say, his banner over me is love. Over all of my life, over the good, the bad, and the ugly. Over the things that I caused and the things that I never caused. Over grief because something happened or grief because I sinned. Still your banner over me has been love. May that be our testimony, God. Thank you for the food and for the nourishment, God. And I pray that as we have conversation, God, you would continue to speak words of life to your bride. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.